Well, two Ontario women, they are speaking out after losing more than $100,000 in a cryptocurrency scam. They tell CTV News that they are devastated and just don't know what to do next. David Khalif is a cryptocurrency expert and joins us now for more on this here on Global News Radio. David, good afternoon. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right. Is this story, the story of these uh, two women here in Ontario losing $100,000 in a cryptocurrency scam, is it becoming more and more common, David? I think it is. You know, we have this exciting asset class of cryptocurrency and it's growing rapidly. And a lot of people, I think, while there's good things like people joining the space, companies being built, you're also getting a lot of you know bad actors who are trying to kind of get quick money based on people's emotions. And so we're seeing that a little bit more often here in crypto. Okay, it's interesting you say bad actors looking for a quick buck because when it comes to cryptocurrency, I think there's a lure out there for the average person that they've heard stories that, uh, you know, friends of theirs or friends of friends have made some pretty easy money with cryptocurrency. And you combine that temptation with the fact that a lot of us still don't completely understand it. Is that kind of the ideal setting for fraud, do you think, David? I think it is because you have a lot of these you know, bad actors who we don't know who they are behind the screen. They can be an anonymous person. And the first thing they kind of do is they socially engineer, right? They try to talk to you, make you feel safe with them. That's trustworthy. And after that, they kind of play on your emotions and say, hey, I had an amazing run with this X investment made 200%, you know, send me some money and I could do something on your behalf. And I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, are seeing their friends or other people in you know, their lives who kind of make a lot of money in crypto. And so they find someone who they think they can trust. And unfortunately, uh, the person kind of takes advantage of them and really runs with that uh, and tries to take as much money out of their victim as possible. So, David, how can people best protect themselves when it comes to cryptocurrency? If they're thinking about uh, getting involved, thinking about investing in crypto, what should they know? How should they protect themselves? It's a great question. So I treat crypto similar to how someone would present a business plan to me, right? So if someone says, hey, David, you know, I want you to uh, buy an ownership in my coffee shop. They should be presenting you know, where the location is, their plan for expansion, and, and just in general, how they generate revenue. And so if you ever kind of hear someone talking about a crypto, um, a lot of the times what I recommend is to do some basic you know, research on Google that's independent of that person. So if they tell you, you know, buy Shiba coin because this coin is going to go up no matter what, uh, you should really take the time to say, okay, let's go learn who runs Shiba Coin? You know, is this a trustworthy actor? Um, is there a lot of people who are experts talking about this? And so I definitely think some basic research helps. Another kind of thing I recommend to people who are new to crypto is that this is not like a normal asset class. It's not lumber or, or the stock market where it's really kind of easy to find information. Sometimes you do have to dig a little bit deeper. One you know, document I always tell people about is something known as a white paper. So this is kind of the founding document for cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, depending on each project, they kind of have a different, you know, white paper. And so if you were to, you know, Google search Bitcoin white paper, you'd actually find that founding document and you could read, you know, everything you would read in a business plan, how many coins are going to be out there, how they plan to generate revenue. So I think that is, you know, the two big things I recommend is make sure you read the white paper and make sure you do independent research to try to you know, not fall into that emotional appeal of I have to get in quickly. Okay, that is some great advice. And I think an eye opener for a lot of people, because when it comes to investing, David, I imagine most people have got financial advisors or they talk to somebody affiliated with the, the bank that they use. 
they get investment advice, they're sort of steered into certain uh, areas, but that's not necessarily going on, if at all, with cryptocurrency, right? Right. I, I spend a lot of time actually talking to advisors almost on a weekly or daily basis uh, and, and actually informing them and helping them think through this asset class for their clients. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, when people kind of go to their trusted advisor and they don't know anything, they now start kind of going to anyone who's willing to talk to them. And, and that's why we have these kind of victims mentioned in the story who, you know, lose money because someone tries to be the trustworthy actor for them. Uh, and certainly, you know, in Canada up there, you guys actually have a, a pretty fortunate uh, ability to buy some regulated products. You can buy, for example, a Bitcoin ETF, similar to how you would buy a stock. Uh, but here in the United States and really across the world, um, there are a lot of opportunities where th there is no regulated financial vehicle. And so there's not something familiar and you kind of have to go try to do it yourself. And it can be very scary and unfortunately, uh, very costly for some people. Well, that leads me to my very next question for you, David. Regulations. Do we need them when it comes to cryptocurrency? Can you see a day where the cryptocurrency is regulated like a lot of other investments, say, on the stock market and elsewhere? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see more and more regulation in the space. And I do think that this is probably good overall. Uh, we certainly want people to feel safe when they invest in the asset class. We don't want people to think that they're going to lose their money or get scammed. Uh, but with that, you know, the interesting aspect of cryptocurrency is that it is the first time in kind of history where a user can do everything without consulting anyone else, right? You can own the cryptocurrency in your own digital wallet, and you don't have to ask a bank or a custodian to hold it for you. And so I know a lot of people, that was kind of the early appeal to crypto is that they really enjoyed being able to own something that, you know, if I want to send a Bitcoin to you, I don't have to ask for permission. I can just do it, right? And, and I think that's a very popular reason why the class grew. But now we're getting to, you know, $3 trillion in value. And I think going forward, we're going to need more protections for the average you know, investor who wants to get into the space and doesn't want to get scammed. So having said that, are the risks too high when it comes to cryptocurrency right now, do you think? Or is it just a matter of, as you uh, mentioned a moment ago, the people just need to invest the time and do their due diligence? Yeah, it's a great question. So I fortunately, you know, look at this very similar to how investing throughout, you know, all of the famous history and what people tell you to do. So I think with crypto, you can definitely diversify. And so I don't think investing in the asset class is super risky as long as you're taking the right precautions. So in this case, you know, I wouldn't put all of your money into one crypto that someone's telling you is going to, you know, 10x by the end of the year. Instead, you might say, okay, I'll allocate a few percentage of my portfolio into crypto and I'll buy, you know, maybe uh, the top five largest names of the projects that I read and researched and understand. And, and I think it's, you know, very similar to the, to the stock market where you can actually look up today top cryptocurrencies by market capitalization and you can actually see what are the large names. And I think for people listening in, they'll hear things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, some of these popular names. And, and you know, it takes that due diligence to say, well, should I buy Doge or buy Bitcoin? And I think, you know, you, you should treat this as an investment and really take the time to do the due diligence because it is your money that's going to be at risk if you make the wrong decision. Yeah, just finally, David, do you think there's enough of a deterrent when it comes to cryptocurrency fraud? Are authorities, do we know, are they doing enough? Because not only do we have a story of these two Ontario women that lost $100,000 in a cryptocurrency scam, uh, but Ontario, our province, has also applied to seize a luxury uh, Toronto condo worth roughly $3.6 million that allegedly has ties to cryptocurrency fraud. 
Are authorities doing enough when it comes to uh, cracking down on this fraud or is the law lagging behind the technology and is it just really tough to uh, track down and trace the, the perpetrators? I think I think the law is a little bit behind, and and this isn't because you know the police forces or the governments aren't doing enough. It's really just the aspect of cryptocurrency being a very unique asset class where I can send you money today, and it would be to an anonymous wallet if I wanted. And so you mentioned this kind of story about seizing a luxury apartment. Uh, that happened to be a case where we could actually tie the cryptocurrency fraud or the transactions to an individual, right? But oftentimes um, someone can be behind a screen and we don't know where they are in the world and they could be faking, you know, saying they're this person or that person. And so unfortunately there really isn't any recourse. If that happens where you send money to someone, uh, there's no way a government can kind of locate that person unless they, they, you know, make themselves not anonymous. And so going forward, I would expect that you know, it's a little bit more about investor education and a little bit more about teaching people the right way to go about this. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we had a year of, you know, the news presenting people with make a thousand percent on Dogecoin and, and Shiba. And so people really got emotional about it. But I think over time, people will start to recognize that this is the same as kind of the penny stocks, right? You don't just buy penny stocks. You have to do your research and, and only take a small amount of risk if that's the choice you want to go into. All right. A really, really important discussion. Some great advice and great information for people and their money. David, really appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. That is David Khalif, who is a cryptocurrency expert. And we're back after this break here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.